verse 7. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and have long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth not. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. So we're going to talk about this morning about grudges. You know, grudges is really a cancer to the soul. It holds us back. You know, it holds business people even back. It holds them behind when they hold a grudge towards somebody. It could um, hold church members back, the pastor back. It, it could hold every, it will hold everybody back from where God would desire for people to be. You know, after an offense, we often get feelings of bitterness. We then refuse to forgive, therefore we end up holding a grudge. You know, to carry a grudge is like being stung to death by one beat. I understand there's some people that are allergic, and that really can happen being stunned by a bee and kill you. But for most people, you know, you get stunned by a bee, you get it out, hurts for a little bit, and you move on. But there can be kind of some where you go know, and they act dramatically. You know, my wife, she was laughing at me just a couple of weeks ago. I was cutting some brisket, and I cut my finger. And she's saying, hey, you're getting all pacey goats. Why? Why are you being so dramatic? It's just a little cut and stuff. And so it's kind of like me, okay? And you can just cut with a knife a little bit and being all dramatic about it. But you know, grudge is like being stung to death by one feet or being cut just barely and feeling like you're going to die. And so I remember. When we were just getting our life insurance policy, um, which I need to get that renewed this year. You know, the terms kind of like it coming up. But I was going in and they had to draw blood to do the um, just to kind of check your health status. And I was just kind of working myself up, and really I was just kidding. And I was like, Am I going to be all right? Am I going? Am I going to die? I never get things poking me and blood taken away and stuff. And she's like, oh, you're going to be fine. And I think she made some jokes with me and stuff. And all of a sudden, I did get pacey and got dizzy and felt like I was going to faint. And it was just basically just working myself up. You know, I had it happen again later on. Not a problem. And it was just the playing around. But it kind of drew it out mentally. You know, one day a visitor to a farm 
was leaning on a fence around <coughs> a fence around the farm, and he watched the old farmer plowing with a mule. After a while, the visitor said, I don't like to tell you how to run your business, but you can save yourself a lot of work by saying gee and ha to that mule instead of tugging on those lines constantly. The old farmer pulled a big handkerchief from his pocket, wiped his face, and he said, Reckon you're right, but this animal kicked me five years ago, and I ain't spoke to him since. You know, the moral of this story is pretty obvious. A grudge is harder on the one who holds it than the one it is held against. Oftentimes, the person you may be holding grudge against doesn't even know you're holding the grudge. Now, if you've expressed it to them, then maybe, maybe they do know, but oftentimes they don't even know, and all you do is ruin things, rob yourself of your own joy that you could have. Oftentimes the stages of bitterness um, develop into a long-term grudge. Sometimes it starts with being oversensitive to a verbal remark or an action or the lack of an action or sometimes even just our imagination. And then we could end up having hurt feelings. We could end up becoming repulsive feeling toward a person in the thought and sight of them. See them in a grocery store in the distance and you try to hide yourself from them. You just don't want to see them, don't want to talk with them. You know, it's like retaining wounds and, and yet you frequently maybe talk about them, slander them, um, avoid the person, verbally slander the person. And it's really ultimately a lack of obedience to a spirit-filled walk with the Lord. And then oftentimes it's becoming like the one you despise. You know, I've seen over and over, you know, people that have um, criticized the type of church they grew up in, whether it be a Baptist church or a Lutheran church or whatever type of church it was, it doesn't really matter in this illustration, but they grow up in a particular um, church or denomination and they had a bad experience. And, and, and they start to be critical, um, be critical of all churches of that denomination or that identity. And, and, and I've seen, of course, sometimes Baptists have been criticized for being too judgmental or too legalistic or too, um, too that they're too critical. And then you just kind of watch them and you know, there's times you know, People have a bad experience. You know, if, if every one of us quit church because we've had a bad experience in church, we probably none of us would ever be in church. Okay? Bad experiences happen where there's sinful people, and we all are one. But you know, I've seen them where they would criticize the Baptist church because of the Baptist church they once went to, but they have become what they've criticized. And that they're continually criticizing all of the time. That they just get critical over and over. And so they become what they once despise. And that's what being bitter and holding a grudge will do. Is that we'll end up being like the person that we have a grudge against. Go ahead and turn to Leviticus 19. 
Leviticus 19, verse 16. It says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talbearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any, any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And so every beginning in the Old Testament, beginning in the law, God tells us not to bear a grudge toward one another, not to hate our neighbor, to love our brother, and, and, and to, to love the Lord, and so not to hold a grudge against any. Some characteristics of a person who would hold a grudge would be they're going to care very little for the person they're holding a grudge against. You know, wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising you here if I say they got sick or say if they died and two of them uttered the words and go, oh, good, they deserved it. You sometimes see that in the political world where someone will rejoice at the suffering of someone in the opposite party. You know, if someone gets COVID in the opposite party, and they're like, oh, good, they deserved that. What a shame. We should never wish ill or be rejoiced about ill on anybody. Or someone that's holding a grudge is going to be very touchy. They're going to be on the edge. They're going to be like the volcano that you see is about to explode. And it's no shock when it does. There are often going to be people that are ungrateful in life. Never thankful. Always have something to complain about. And yet, usually the people that hold a grudge are those that will give empty flattery. You know what? They'll, flatter, they'll try to flatter you. They'll try to praise different things about you. And then they'll become your harshest critic. They'll find it difficult to forgive. They'll display have displays of stubbornness or a sulky attitude. They'll be in a bad mood and refuse to communicate because of resentment. They won't be the first to volunteer to help somebody. And they'll complain when they are asked for help. They'll often be those that experience mood extremes, high highs and low lows. Now it's not wrong to feel hurt, but how you deal with it makes all the difference in what's going to happen to you in life. Holding the grudge foremost, it hinders our relationship with God. Go ahead and turn to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 and verse 1. Just behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, and it cannot save, 
neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. You know, we hide iniquity in our heart. You know, God sees it. When, when, when we're hiding, when we're holding a grudge, God sees it. And there's a separation of fellowship. Thankfully, it doesn't separate our relationship from God. Once we're a child of God, we're a child of God. But it does hinder the sweet fellowship that we could be having with God. And we see this applicable um, in the New Testament as well. Go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 3. chapter 3 and verse 7 in talking the couple says likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered But the way our relationship is with our spouse, you know, and that would include whether we're holding a grudge toward one another. Bible says it hinders our prayers, hinders our prayers. But to dwell together with one another, to love one another, and to honor one another, we see that the prayers would not be hindered. And so, foremost, if we're going to hold a grudge. God's not going to hear our prayers. Now, God will judge us for being unforgiving. You know, as we just read in James 5 and verse 9, it says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. And you know, Jesus is our judge. And you know, there will be rewards or the lack of rewards when we enter into eternal life on the other side of heaven and stuff. But if we grudge today in our life, there's going to be hindrances we have in this life. There's going to be a lack of joy. It's kind of like we're, like the quote where they say bitterness is, um, it's just like, it's like drinking poison and hope and your enemy dies. It affects ourself when we're bitter, when we hold any type of grudge. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. says, And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father also wishes in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, Ephesians says it the other way. He goes, you know, forgive others, even as Christ has forgiven you. They know when Christ has forgiven us, we ought to forgive others. If we don't forgive people in this life, it's going to really feel like, you know, the Father is not forgiven us. We're going to feel like we are stuck in a rut. 
God forgives us in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. That's the verse I was kind of referring to. Let's go ahead and just turn there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God forgives us in Christ. He gave us an example to follow. And tells us to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. When we do any of these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, basically having a grudge, we grieve the Spirit of God in our life. Let's get to the place where we forgive others. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Down the road, so 
was going through a hard time. And, and just talking about forgiving, just talking about how, you know, her grandfather or was really religious and stuff. But it was just all about ritual. It was just religion. And, you know, she had some good questions. You know, why does evil happen if there's a good God? You know, why doesn't he just stop every evil that's out there? So I had some really uh, good types of questions. But, you know, it was perfect. It was just all about religion. It wasn't about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, we miss it when it's just about religion and not about Christ. But Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. It was someone else, it was someone else actually. He said, you know, they went to church and you know, they just had all these traditions. So they again, used to go to church, had all these kind of traditions. So I don't really remember anything that was taught. And so I told him, well, here we're not really focused so much on tradition. We're focused on preaching the word of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. You have heard that it have been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Let's read that again. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So I mean today, you know, it may not be a persecution about faith, but you know, if we're not careful, we could catch ourselves being bitter, being angry about the political discourse in America. And you know, there's a place for that, you know, but you don't want the sun to go down upon your wrath. But it could be where we are being more hateful towards the politician than we are trying to see change with the policy itself. You know, when we ought to be praying. For the politician whose decisions maybe we despise. You know, pray for them. Instead of being bitter, instead of just being angry and, and not really doing anything about it, do good to them that hate you, that you know, maybe you feel like they hate you, they don't care if you lose your job or whatever it may be, and we're to pray for them and then do good to them. That he may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for he made him his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and send a rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Publicans are tax collectors. So, you know, even back then, they were people that were despised. You know, Jesus like, you know, pray for them. Love them. Do good unto them. Be there for a perfect evidence. Your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And so, we're to love those that even may mean ill to us. What it means to forgive is often the attitude of, I forgive you, but I won't forget. 
And now I understand there are sometimes things where you don't forget, but you do forget. You know, you're not going to be taking advantage of again. You know, if someone did harm to your child or whatever, you know what? Maybe there's some kind of way you're able to forgive, but you're not going to forget it and put your child in the same situation again. So forgiveness doesn't always mean in the sake of, you know what, you forget like something never happened and things keep falling apart over and over. However, the attitude is what I'm talking about. Is that when we have to shout out to someone, all right, I'll forgive you this once, but I'm never going to forget. You know, and that kind of shows an attitude of we really don't forgive. Now, forgiveness is going to cost you because it basically bears the penalty to someone's fault against you on yourself. That you are giving them forgiveness. But again, we're supposed to do all things to the glory of God and let it be really the forgiveness of Christ that shines through us. But forgiveness is an activity of the will. No, we're not to just wait for a feeling to forgive. Just don't wait how we feel like Forgiveness is surrendering my perceived right to hurt me back if you hurt me. Perceived right. It is quiet and does not make known to others. We don't need to be, when we're really forgiving someone, we don't need to go around and broadcast it to everybody. Oh, yeah, this person did this to me, and I, I forgave them for it. You know, and that is not the way to forgive. Turn to Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs 25, verse 9. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another. Lest he that hear of it put thee to shame, and thy infamy turn not away. You know, someone's having an issue with a neighbor. You know, it's not about, you know, like broadcasting it. But you know, the pain they cause with thy neighbor, get it resolved. Don't make a big scene about it. Be careful with your words. Now, I understand that sometimes we could say something and it just doesn't come out how we want. Now, there is a universal truth where you know what Jesus said, you know what, out of the mouth. Come with what's in the heart. Very true. But you know, there's sometimes things that we maybe say something, we put our foot in our mouth, and we immediately regret it. We're like, why did I say that? How, how did that come out? That's not what I meant. You know, you just kind of had it. It was kind of funny. Where we, you know, the first, um, you know, went to, when we went down to the conference, went to visit my mom. You know, she was thinking about us. She, Got in a little vehicle accident, uh, forgot to put it in park, um, and drove into this her shop where she works at and everything. And I was on the phone with my dad on the day on our way there, and and then he was um, asking how she's doing, is she doing okay? And then we we um, said like, well, I don't know yet, I'm not 
And she goes, hey, well, you know, let me talk to your dad real quick. Um, this has been doing divorce for years and years since I was um, eight, um, two, two years old. We've been divorced, but um, he, he just wanted to kind of check out her. She wanted to see how um, he was doing. And so my mom is just kind of talking and just, um, she has still in there next to him and stuff, and so she talks about, okay, I have a new fiance, um, and goes, you know, he's a great guy, and she's like, are you proud of me, you know, what? I'm now, I'm not, I haven't been in jail for over a decade, and, and so, like, she's doing way better now, you know, and Frank's really has made a difference in her life, but she's telling him, goes, yeah, and this new guy, you know, and he, he's wonderful, he's amazing, he's not like the users I used to be with, and that's who, she used to be with. And so she caught herself. She's like, oh, I didn't mean you. I, I didn't mean it like that. You know, it's funny. They both, both laugh. But you know, there's sometimes other things, times, you know, where something is not really so funny. You know, we say something, maybe it's hurtful, but it's nice. And you may regret it, but then you still cause a wound. You want to guard from some time ago, a middle-aged woman sought to be reunited in marriage with her former husband. She told her pastor that they were both Christians when they established their home, that they had, um, had been blessed with two sons. One day they quarreled and harsh words were spoken. Each was too proud to ask the other's forgiveness, and the bitter feelings led to their divorce. Just because of one Fight, one argument. Now, maybe there were other things, other undertones, but there was basically this one thing they really held on to, and neither had found a new mate. 25 years later, one son died, and the other was unknown to whereabouts, and this woman learned that the only man she had ever loved was in the hospital. She went to see him, and with tears, they forgave one another. But it took 25 years, 25 wasted years. But the request of Pastor Bible you married him right in the hospital room. As he left after performing the ceremony, he thought of the price they had paid because of their unwillingness to forgive for so many years. The first of both had been powerless. They could not experience the joy of their salvation. Their sons had suffered because of a broken home. Not only the husband and the wife had been reunited, the wasted years would never be recalled. Now, praise the Lord, they forgave one another. They didn't hold that against each other. You know what? The things that happen do affect people. And so, how much better it would be to forgive people quickly. The wife has to agree with thy adversary quickly. You know, and try and get things resolved quickly before it goes unchecked and you have all these wasted years. The beauty of a Christ-like character and the best joys of life are expressed with forgiveness. You cannot afford to pay the price of holding grudge against others. Says the Lord paid our debt save our soul, we should have charity that shines through, ready to forgive.
And when we forgive, we're not to be the type that brings it up. And the Bible actually speaks of that, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 27. It says, an ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. An ungodly man diggeth up evil. Let's talk about digging up evil in the past. You know, there's things that have happened. And then you just keep digging it up. The Bible says that man is ungodly. That they keep unburied. They unburied the evil that has happened years ago. And his lips are as a burning fire. And you know the Bible talks about the tongue being a small matter, a small matter, but that it could be this it could be an iniquity that spreads like the fires of hell. In May 1987, 39 American sailors were killed in the Persian Gulf. An Iraqi pilot hit their ship, the USS Stark, with a missile. The son of one of these men, John Kaiser, age five, stood with his hand on his heart at his father's coffin as it was floated onto a plane to go to the United States. The wife of the man who died stated to reporters, I don't have to mourn or wear black because I know my husband is in. I am happy because I know he is better off. God, I will walk with the Lord and be able to say something like that. Later, she and her son sent a letter with an Arabic New Testament to the pilot of the Iraqi plane, addressed to the man who attacked the star, that ship. In the hope that it will show that even the son and the wife do not hold any grudge and are at the same time praying for the one who took the life of our father. I don't know if the person ever received it or not. Or maybe I don't know if we need to see the story of this great story, but we know it's a good story in their heart and not letting that bitterness fester. God searches the heart. We should ask God to search our heart and reveal any wicked ways in us. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 in verse 23. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me the way everlasting. Sometimes it would be good for us. Just ask the Lord. Is there any bitterness in our life? Lord, search me. Uh, Examine my heart. Reveal to me. Is there a grudge I hold? Is there some bitterness somewhere in my heart? Is there some other iniquity? Some other sin? You see, David 
pleads with the Lord, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. May that be our heart as we have a time of invitation. May we ask the Lord, show me any hurtful way. Rebellion hidden or resentments that may be true. Confess your sin. Ask God to forgive you. It may, you may find it necessary to go to ask someone else to forgive you. Or to express that you forgive them. Sometimes it might be just something own heart that you need to bring before the Lord and make the Lord reveal that one way or the other. But forgiveness will cost you your pride. Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. As we're walking with the Lord, we are not to be the type that are easily offended. Someone makes this night remark to us. You know, pull off. You know, maybe they had a rough day. Maybe they're holding a grudge about something. John Gill wrote this in his commentary. He says, Nothing shall disturb their minds and break their peace. Nothing from without. Those sin, temptations, and desertions do. Not outward afflictions, the reproaches and persecutions of wicked men, nor the reproof of good men, nor what God does to them in a providential way. Though in the world they have tribulation, in Christ they have peace, which the world can neither give nor take away. There is no stumbling block unto them. It's about that verse. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend Let's just go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Spend time praying. Does God reveal if there's anything? You are forgiven. Following your full footsteps. May you send Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There could be people that have done things in our life and they don't understand the hurts that they cause us. But may you give us the power of your spirit, the power to forgive. Do not hold it against them. And Lord, we also